Welcome to another episode of Bob Sheen Yaya Travel the World. It's a place where we like to spend time talking about all things travel and how travel can be part of your lifestyle. Whether you're hanging out at home or you've got boarding passes in your hands, travel influences us every single day in tons of ways. My name is Alex. I play the Bob role, and I am a mom of three great adults, an elementary school teacher, and an overseas traveler. I love to blog. You can find me over at www.tgctravel.com, and I'm an overall travel junkie. Hello, guys. This is Terry. I'm Yaya, and I'm also a mom. I have two wonderful adult children. I'm a teacher, and right now, I'm a U.S. traveler, getting excited about spreading my wings and being a European traveler again. Today we're going to share some of the things that keep us travel happy when we are not out and about. We're going to talk about books, food, travel tips, and products that we love. And it's all going to start with a little segment we like to call Now Boarding. We're so glad you're able to join us today on the Bob Yaya Travel the World podcast. Today we're talking all things passports, such an important part of getting yourself ready for every kind of trip that you take. Um, so in now boarding today, I'd like to start with a global book pick, Terry. Okay. Um, you know, passports are relatively in the in the grand scheme of things, they're a relatively new document. They haven't been around forever. And they really became kind of um, in vogue and used as an official document um, during the mid 1800s. And people used them before that, but really it was more like travel papers. Um, So there is a book that's all about this. If you're really interested in it, it's called The Passport, The History of Man's Most Traveled Document, and it's by a man named Martin Lloyd. And he kind of explains how the passport came about and why it exists in the form that it exists today. Because I don't know if you've ever looked at your passport very closely, but your passport, your American passport, is written, um, the the entries are in English and in French. So if you look at it, um, it's actually because French is the language of diplomacy, and that was what was used in the very beginning. And this guy kind of goes into explaining all of that. So very, very interesting. Yes. Um, when you think of um, passports, what's the first go-to item that you think of for that? You mean what I, I need to have for it or mm-hmm. the process of getting it? Um, what you need to have. Yeah. Product-wise. I really like, uh, with my passport, using an RFID wallet or passport holder, one that's big enough that's going to hold all your stuff, your cell phone and everything that's good, and it's going to protect it from any of the RFID scamming keeps you safe and uh, they're cheap. I looked up one on Amazon you can get for $17.99. And how perfect is that to have everything together safe in one spot? 
I agree with you. And if uh, um, they sell them in different sizes, and um, we've linked to one in the show notes that fits your passport, your boarding tickets, um, your basic credit cards, but also your iPhone. And we've talked about iPhone safety before, um, but if you can zip all those things up inside that kind of one little envelope-sized um, pouch um, with that RFID protection, um, how much easier is that to kind of... Um, carry around with you. And, you know, they, they come, the one that we, um, that we featured in the links is a bit, um, travel luggagey. It kind of matches that, but there are some really quite cute ones that kind of double as like a clutch, which means that you're not investing the money in like an RFID purse or, you know, or like, um, a men's, they have men's wallets as well, but I really like the idea of being able to protect your cell phone, um, in that pouch as well. So, um, I, I think it's a great idea. Um, yes. any, um, any travel tips when it comes to, um, using your passport? What, what's the biggest thing that you would say besides an RFID wallet? Well, the thing I think you need to think about is dealing when you're dealing with your passport, whether you need to go ahead and get global entry. Mm-hmm. Or maybe TSA pre-check if it's going to be really cost effective for you. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, and I want to say, I want to say I was trying to look where the global entry, it's about $100. And it's it's pretty, you have to be interviewed, you have to have a thorough background. And I think you have more experience with having global entry versus not having global entry. You have a couple stories to share on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I will tell you, I think that the global entry phenomenon and there's global entry is one of many ways to kind of get around and get through airports kind of quickly. Um, global entry has to do with customs um, and it is not the same as TSA pre-check, although right. your TSA pre-check will come with global entry. Um, I personally, and as much as I travel, I don't think that spending the money on that saves me any amount of time. Um, So I put it to the test. I was like, am I really missing out? Am I... Am I missing the point here? And um, I was in Atlanta. We were coming back from, I don't know where I was, but again, I was with my mother because that's who I travel with so much. Um, And I used um, an app that I want to talk about called Mobile Passport that's through customs. And my mother has a global entry card. So we were there at, at customs and, you know, when you kind of get off the plane, you make your way through a few corridors and you wind up having to choose between one of four lines. And the first two are the classics. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm not a citizen of the United States. And that's where 90% of the people go. The last two choices are global entry or mobile passport. So I went with Mobile Passport, which is an app you use on your phone to clear customs, um, which is free through 
customs through through the government, okay? And my mother used her global entry card. And in one of the busiest international airports in the United States, I walked out at the exact same time my mother walked out of global entry. So I don't know that global entry saves you really anything in the end. Gotcha. Um, when it comes to checking back through, I think it's a great database for the government um, to have, but you're paying to put your name on a database when right. I can go right through mobile passport and it's free. I don't know. Like, yeah. Um, and not too many people are kind of latching onto the mobile passport um, choice, which means as more and more people buy global entry, um, it will become longer and longer to go through it because they're not going to change the systems, especially now with everything going on. And I find that on. too with the TSA pre-check because you can buy that, you can get that outside of getting the global entry, which I think is like $85 a year. Right. And I tell, I tell you, I've been to airports. My daughter has the pre-check. I do not. And there's times I've gone through and been finished before she is. Actually, there's a great app called um, by TSA and yes. the name of it, I'm going to look it up on my phone right now. Um, the name of it is My TSA. Um, and My TSA tells you exactly how long the regular line is for the time of day you are going to a specific airport. So if I am going to catch a nine o'clock flight from Dulles, I can look and see that the um, 7.30 TSA line is approximately no more, it says no more than, no more than 15 minutes long. So I know that I need to block out 15 minutes for that and I'm kind of good to go. Um, so I think that there are ways to deal with what's out there without paying. Oh, yes. And I do th think that the times they show are pretty accurate, your wait times. I've never had them be off in any way. And they they definitely, I think they streamline the process with that app um, just as well as buying into the pre-check. Now, there are certain airports where I would tell you um, pre-check is probably worth it. If you fly out of JFK twice a week, you're probably worth getting the pre-check. Um, yeah. You know, but I think that they're few and far in between considering. Um, now, I will tell you um, that I did find a show. I was I was trying to think of how we would finish off this um, this particular now boarding segment. And I was like, what kind of travel binge is out there? And I did find one show that kind of fits the theme for today. It's oh. called No No Passport Required. It's on PBS. It has a chef and he travels around the country looking at international food in the major cities. So LA and DC and New Orleans and Chicago. And he kind of moves around. He was in Boston once. Um, and without a passport, you can kind of get a little edge of the international cuisine that was out there. So I thought that that kind of fit our thing. Yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah. What about you? Any other last minute now boarding picks? I have not. I'm trying to think. Oh, I got yeah. it. 
One mm-hmm. thing that you pointed out that everyone needs to remember, you know, you're loading up on the plane, you're getting on the plane, you're putting all your stuff up. Where do you not want to put your passport? In the airplane seat pocket, because I've done it and it is a nightmare. <laughs> I have the biggest fear since you told me that anytime I get on a plane of putting my personal stuff there, because I'm like, I know I'm going to forget it. I know I'm going to forget it. So rule of thumb, I don't put anything in the front pouch. Oh, my I'll gosh. Forget it. Uh, okay, I'll put my water and that's about it. <laughs> well, um, I, I will okay. tell you, I will tell you. I was flying with my mother from uh, from Livingstone, Africa to Athens, Greece, which is not necessarily a luxury experience. We had to fly from Livingstone to Lusaka, pick up luggage at, at Lusaka, meet some people, pick up the remainder of our luggage. And then we had to make our way to um, Dubai. And then from Dubai to Athens where we were meeting the car that was going to take us into town. And when we got to Dubai, I was a little put off by the fact that we were walking stairs to get down and my mother has a bad foot. So I was preparing my mother for this, for this foot thing that we were going to have to deal with and making sure she was okay. And do you have your passport mom? And is everything all settled? And in the chaos of me switching gears from just kind of getting off on a ramp compared to getting on the stairs and, you know, making sure everything was good. I left my passport there. Thankfully, thankfully I realized that I had, um, done it when I got to the bottom of the stairs and they kind of just called up to the plane. And as one of the attendants came out, she kind of handed it down the stairs, thankfully. But that can be, I mean, it's such a nightmare to think of. Yeah. Yeah. One last thing as we wrap up our now boarding section, if you are using your passport a lot and you're looking to kind of keep track of the countries that you've visited around the world, there is an app called Visited. It's free. There's no in-app purchases. And it's literally just a world map where you can keep track of where you've been and where you want to go. So super, super easy to use. And um, I like it. Just kind of keeps me up to date on um, what I've done and how much of the world that I've seen. It gives me a little inspiration for that. So I do like that one. It's the Bob Shea and Yaya Travel the World podcast. It's me, Alex, with my best friend, Terry, and we're talking all about passports today. Did you know that only 25% of citizens in the United States passport. We're a little surprised by that and we want you to know how you can get your own. So let's talk about the application process for getting one, Harry. Okay. I think it's a really easy process. First thing I started out doing is I went ahead and got all the paperwork ahead of time so I could have it all filled out. I made my appointment at my postal office that does passports, went to Walgreens, had my picture taken, and showed up at the post office. It was easy peasy. The one thing that you need to know though is that your application fee cannot be paid with credit card. It has to be with a check, personal check, cashier's check, but your service fee that they charge, the acceptance fee, can be paid with your credit or debit card. So that's a big thing to keep in mind when you go. 
have everything ready because if you don't, you're going to have to make another appointment. That's true. And so let's just rewind a second. Rewind. Because um, passports are issued through the State Department. So it's a federal document. Um, and the best way to get them is to go online, get uh, the application and everything kind of settled and all your paperwork together, like Terry said. And then you make an appointment at a post office because they will directly send everything in for you. Here's why going to a post office is so helpful. You're going to have to hand over your original Ensure from the post office, you're going to be able to ensure that everything is correct. Yes. And you will and, get your birth certificate back separately mm-hmm. from your passport. So don't worry. It does come back. It does. And it, it gets mailed right to your house. No problems. And you actually probably get your birth certificate before you get your passport. Um, they usually show up ahead of time. Um, so you know when you get that birth certificate back that your passport is probably like a few days a week away. So that's definitely worth it. Now, there are some things that you need to know about the documentation, and they have to do with the Real ID Act um, that goes into full effect, we think, probably October 2021. It may be delayed a little because of the whole COVID thing, but right now that's what we're looking at. And that's um, all the stuff that you've been getting about getting a star on your driver's license so that it complies with the Real ID Act. Um, So we do know that that exists. And um, your passport definitely is considered a valid form of travel documentation and therefore, in accordance with the Real ID Act, and therefore you need to make sure that what you send in to them um, meets those requirements. And I know, Terry, you just renewed your, your your passport after many years of it being expired you did this this past fall right so tell us what happened well i went in and we wanted to expedite it which right now they're not doing the expediting but uh it's you know it's 145 dollars. we paid the extra so no problem my husband we gave all the documentation my husband showed his shows up i'm like well mine's gonna be here tomorrow well it never showed up well, the birth certificate they sent in that I had from Dallas, Texas, was on a half piece of paper. You have the choice of doing a full page or a half page. I've always had the half page birth certificate as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Well, when I did my application, they did not inform me that my birth certificate was not the full paper, and that's what they require. So I had to scramble get in touch with the county in Dallas, Texas to get a birth certificate. And that's not an easy process or a quick process. So make sure, make sure you have all the correct documentation and the birth certificates have to be on the full form, have to be the full page of paper. Because we had planned to go into Canada over Christmas, but I couldn't get it back in time. But once they got my birth certificate, 
I had it within a week. I mean, it was quick. So yeah, they are definitely fast. Uh, unfortunately, you did wind up in a situation where they probably didn't communicate as well as they could. And, you know, they are up against the Real ID Act and, you know, kind of um, complying with that as well. And I think you wound up kind of in yeah, that Yeah, but situation. it all worked out. Except yes. now the COVID hit and I didn't get to use it this summer. But yes. it's waiting. <laughs> it's waiting to be used. It is. It is. And we're going to use it. We're going to stamp away. Definitely. Um, You know, one of the things that uh, a lot of people don't think about is passport safety. And I think we could not do this show without really talking about um, the fact that while your name is on your passport, you do not own your passport. The, the United States government owns your passport, and therefore you are the custodian of it. And as a custodian, there are a few responsibilities that you need to realize. And um, the first one is, is that it, because it's a document, a diplomatic document, it's no one can like take it out of your hands away from you um, without your permission. And you need to be really clear on who's touching your passport um, and, and where it's going. Let me tell you a situation that came up that was kind of like crazy. Um, I was in Africa with my mother and we were Trans, we were going across the Zambezi River at a famous crossing called the Kazalinga River Crossing, which is this barge that takes two 18 wheelers at a time and foot traffic um, through hippopotamus and crocodile laden <laughs> Zambezi <laughs> River. And you have to clear customs on both sides of the river. So um, in Zambia, the the tourism um, authority, the tourism ministry really doesn't care for people to kind of be on their own. They would prefer that you be with at least a driver or someone, which I can understand. You know, you don't want people getting lost and there being an, an incident, um, especially with so many large animals around. And this was an area where that is prevalent. Um, so we had a driver take us to the Casalinga and he looked at us with all the sincerity in the world. He certainly wasn't scamming us in any way. And he said, um, uh, I'll take your passports and get them stamped now. And I thought, you are out of your mind. This is the American in me. You are out of your mind if you think I am going to hand you over my travel documentation that has my visa in it to be here and, you know, everything going on that I need in order to identify myself and just hand it for you to walk away to a building where I don't know where you're going. I said, um, so I, I kind of compromised. I said, here they are. I am walking with you, I said. He goes, oh, no, you stay in the car and relax. I said, no, I really like to see it. I'm curious. And that was enough for him to not feel like I was offending him in some way. So he, they were in his hands, but I walked with him the entire time. And this is why it was such a big deal. He goes, okay, stand here. And we were at the back door of the customs um, building, which 
there's no door on it. It's just an opening. And he said something um, in the native language. And a guy came and kind of stuck his hand out, took our passports from him. And it was obvious that he was a customs official, stamped them at the back door, and we didn't have to wait in line. So I kind of understood why he wanted to do it. He was saving us time. However, they're not my documents to just hand over to whoever I want to, you know, like I've got to stay with them. So it was a bit of a compromise. It was crazy. And then we walked down to the river's edge and we got on this barge with our suitcases and we went across with two 18 wheelers um, on a bench and we went across the Zambezi River and we got to Botswana and we had a clear customs again. So a driver met us on that side as well. And um, he said to us, I will take you now to Clear Customs. And it was a completely different experience. He was like, I cannot touch your passport. You must walk up to this window and do it yourself. And there was no line. It was certainly very pleasant and very easy to do. But it was just so amazing to see how one courtesy in one country is considered totally not a courtesy in another country. And you kind of have to be able to shift gears with all of that kind of stuff. So it was an incredible adventure doing it between customs and the barge. And like, I can't even tell you how many 18 wheelers were in line to go across. They're they're building a bridge to kind of take care of this traffic. But some of these trucks have been waiting three weeks to cross the river because the barge only goes five times a day and it only carries two trucks at a time. So there were hundreds of trucks waiting and only 10 get across at a time. That's it. Wow. And once, once there's 10, that's it. No more. So... It's going to be very different when they have the bridge. Um, I've been waiting and the bridge is not yet open. So it'll be very interesting. They're still ferrying people and two 18 wheelers at a time. So uh, you do have to be very careful. I can only think of one time, one exception when your passport's going to be out of your hands and it's kind of okay. And that would be on the cruise line. Mm-hmm. So be prepared when you go on a cruise that you're going to hand over your passport. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes you go places that don't require a passport, but the ones that you do, they're going to be collected. And mm-hmm. why is that so, Alex? Well, um, some of it is tradition and other is others is convenience. So when you pull into a port of call, um, on a cruise and you need a passport to like even go to Alaska because you'll probably stop in Canada. Right. So uh, like you're going to use it on a cruise. So when you get to your cruise, they're going to take it from you and your passport is then delivered to the bursar's office uh, on the ship, which is an official kind of safe room for documentation. And it's where like the safes are and all that other kind of stuff. It's in this room. And um, so you pull in, let's say you're cruising the Mediterranean and you leave Barcelona and you pull into, where do you want to pull in, Terry? Ooh. 
Sicily. There you go. Okay. Okay. You're going to pull in. You're not going to go and clear customs. You're going to get off the ship and you're going to go do the thing that you do. While that is happening, a customs official is going to board the ship and he's going to go to the bursar's office and they're going to stamp every passport um, on the ship as somebody who's cleared customs. Um, so these are agreements that are made all over the world for cruise lines. So um, that is why you will not have your passport with you because the that's the bursar's, one of the bursar's official jobs on the ship is to keep your passport safe. Right. And I think so, it does make it easy for you. Yes. I mean, yes. I can and, only imagine if you had to do it yourself every time you pulled into port. I mean, it's, it's a lot. I mean, think about what it's like in an airport and that's a couple of hundred people on a plane. Imagine what it's like with three, 4,000 people right. getting off a ship. Like right. they just can't handle the influx that way. And it's far quicker not to have to deal with all of that. So the cruise ships kind of pre check you and then customs can take care of it while you're touring, whatever it is that you're touring. So that's one place where you kind of can be, you know, out of sight of your passport. Other than that, um, you know, be careful with passports in hotel room safes. Um, expect your passport to be your major form of identification when you're overseas. Um, in Europe, if you check into a hotel, the first question they're going to ask you is, can I see your passport, please? They're getting your passport number and information um, off of it because they're registering you in the tourism system that exists there. And um, that way, if you have any money due back to you through something called a VAT tax, they've already got you in the system. So they've already tracked that you've been in those places where you're getting kind of a refund back. Gotcha. So, um, you know, expect people to kind of take that number and, and roll with it. It's used internationally far more. But I, I want to say this. Um, I use my passport to travel within the United States as well. Okay. Um, yeah, it is a federal form of identification. There is absolutely no reason to feel like you have to hand over your driver's license or anything else. It's actually sometimes quite quicker to use your passport to travel even domestically because the airlines are so used to dealing with them and, um, they will kind of get you in and out no less quicker or um, slower than any other form of identification. So if you feel like you're not conforming to the Real ID Act in some way, but you have a passport, that works just as well. And I know there's two states that are going to have an issue where they're not going to be able to fly with their state license. So um, I don't know who you are. I feel like one of them is South Dakota, though. Hmm. Uh, so those are definitely things to... Um, think about. I think one um, of the things people need to remember is that we keep an eye on when your passport is going to expire because mm -hmm. when you hit that 90 day mark, you're really not going to be able to use your passport. Yeah. Especially, you know, um, traveling internationally. And it is as good as expired at the 90 day mark. In all honesty, you need to have it renewed and ready to go before that mark. Um, you will not get a cruise line to accept a passport with less than 90 days 
left, um, pretty much everybody will, they, they just won't accept it. As a matter of fact, you'll probably see that caveat a lot in, um, tour groups and and things like that. Like you must have a passport that has more than 90 days on the books because some countries won't let you in um, past their customs if you don't have 90 days. And I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, I feel like Turkey is one of them where you can't go to that country if you don't have at least 90 days left on your passport um, because that's how long the visa is. Yeah, so keep um, an eye on there. that. Keep yeah, an eye on so that. Definitely, because that could kind of wreck your plans in a way that you never expected. Um, I do have one more situation where you may not realize um, that a passport is so incredibly difficult because you were talking about your birth certificate before. Mm. Um True. I have family. I have family members who were in Greece, and they were flying back via Munich, um, back to the states. They had been over for Greek Easter, and they were enjoying their time there. And um, my cousin Margie wound up having heart issues while she was on the plane, and it wound up being quite traumatic. And they had to kind of rush her off and she wound up in a coma in the hospital, you know, like just really difficult. So, um, her next of kin is her sister and, um, her sister had never had a passport and she kind of needed to get to, to Munich rather quickly. And, uh, you know, what, what do you do? There is a way to get an emergency passport, um, issued to you, you will still need the same documentation, but you can drive to certain centers. And I know like there's one in New York City at the UN. I know that, of course, Washington, D.C. And there's a couple of other, I want to say there's maybe a dozen places that you can go around um, the United States where you can get a passport put into your hand like on the spot because of an emergency like that. And um, it would definitely be helpful um, to know about that kind of stuff. So I would definitely think in those terms. Any last thoughts on passports? Well, the only last thought I have is when you're going to apply and get your passport, you're just going to need to decide, do you need the regular old blue cover passport? Do you want mm-hmm. to get a the book? Do you want to get a passport card? Or do you want to be that overzealous travel traveler and get the double book? So you just need to find out what's going to fit your need and make the decision. I mean, you can get the passport book and the card. They don't give you a price break. It's still going to cost the same. You can get both. So you just need to really decide what's going to fit your need. Yeah. And I think if you're a business traveler, the card might be the way for you to go. Like if you're going to the same city all the time on on business, the card might be a really great choice for you. I think the classic book is probably the best one just because not only is it... um, your travel document, but it also becomes a travel memory. And I I do think that that's super cool. And you do get your expired passports back in the mail. Um, They kind of put some holes in it in a certain pattern and then um, you get them, you get it back. So you get to keep that. 
which I think is something we should know. Um, For a double book, if you're somebody getting ready to like backpack around the world or you're going to become a digital nomad, that is you for sure. Um, the, uh, The last thing that we want to talk about, and this really doesn't affect too many people, but it is important. If you have a government issued passport, it may have a red cover, it may have a blue cover. Please be sure to get your own passport. You can have two. You don't need to tell everybody that you have a government issued passport for your job um, because you're a federal employee. So um, we have a lot of people that definitely listen that fall into that category. And we want to let you know about that. And with that, we're going to wrap up the big passport show with a lot of information. Everything we talked about today, you can link to below, including the State Department to get started on getting your very own passport. And um, we are happy that you were able to get enough information out of this to inspire you to go ahead and apply. We'd like to see you out there traveling. Thanks for joining us today. The travel industry has taken quite a blow from several global issues, including the war in Ukraine, the COVID-19 crisis, and inflation that makes it hard for people to get out into the world like they want to. At this point, leading experts are predicting that it is going to take up to three years for the travel industry to bounce back to full force. One way that you can help it is to like and subscribe to 10 microbloggers. Start with us you can like and subscribe to our podcast and our website so that you can tell the travel industry that people are still interested in travel. So Terry, how can listeners get a hold of us? We'd like to hear from you. Contact us at bobshianyaya at gmail.com with your questions, suggestions, favorite travel tips, products, and travel trends so that we can share your ideas in the future. You can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. Here you go, guys. Bobshi and Yaya. B-A-B-C-I-A and Y-I-A-Y-I-A. Bobshianyaya.com is the home base for everything that we love about travel. And it's where we show, where we store our show notes, as well as many of the resources that we offer to our travel community, including travel literacy for the kiddos. We always have new posts about all the things we love and about all the travel we're up to, including today's topic, as well as features on destinations, travel lifestyle, and stories to make you smile. Didn't get all that? Just check out our show notes for all of the ways to stay in touch and links to anything we chatted about in this episode. As always, thanks for joining us for our journey.